0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. How are you today? What shall we talk about today? Money, investing, retirement... I feel at times I'm, I don't want to use the word redundant. It's kind of insulting to me and I could lose my job. Don't want to be too self deprecating, right? And the bosses kind of start believing you that you stink and such. That's terrible. That's terrible. And that Charles Barkley's funny. So, talking about um, the changing face of broadcasters, right? Things change. And I think that's just, again, that's something you have to really know going into investing is that things change. And the reason I keep coming back to that is when I was growing up, Walter Cronkite was the greatest broadcaster of all time. Walter R. Murrow. William R. Murrow. Bill Murrow. Some Murrow. I throw that out there in large part because look at how much time this has changed. You get the anchors in the morning news. I I think, for instance. So let me go back here for a second. So at one point in time, Walter Cronkite was like the greatest broadcaster, right? And now I start the show off by saying Charles Barkley is like a pretty damn fine, entertaining broadcaster. But aren't they very, very different And do you remember um, Howard, who was it, Um, Howard Cosell? Do you think his stuff would fly anymore in the NFL or Jimmy the Greek? If you go back and look at Jimmy the Greek tapes, he was awful. TV was awful then. But we kind of went with it because it was kind of new and fancy. So I go out there and I throw these ideas. And again, you know, uh, Charles Barkley is different, to say the least, right? Sometimes you have to change your opinion on. Uh, sometimes you have to change your opinions on what does retirement look like, what does investing look like, what does a good tech company look like? For instance, I remember with Intel, just again the perception of the years, right? I remember having a twenty eighty six, a 3086, 4086. I remember the Pentium, one, two, three, four. And they just changed it to like the I. I don't even know. So back then, like I was like, wow, an 8086 is like so much more powerful. Whoa. And now you're like, "Mm, not so much. So I think one of the areas that I really want to focus in on you is just to start your investing process, just to start your home ownership process, just to start your, your, you know, uh, ball rolling. I've considered for other people as a financial guy, I've considered for other people, the idea that uh, you may not, your retirement may not be what you want it to be. You know, when fidelity comes out with these studies about how many people will be able to, you know, a third of people will be completely relying on social security in retirement. A third of Americans will be completely relying on social security. And then I look at that and you know how much it is. It's like 18,000 a year. It can get up to like 22, 23, but you're also paying taxes on that. So it, it, it's not cheap. And just talk to some of your friends in retirement who are, you know, a couple years ahead of you. I've got a friend who makes art for a living. He makes um, 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 um pots and pots. And to do that, you have to get up really, really early. You have to unload a truck. You have to get your urns. You have to get your crafts. You have to get your glazes. It's, it's physical labor. It's manual labor, right? And as you get older, you're like, I can still make pots. And then as you get older, you're like, my arthritis is starting to kick in. You know, I don't mind selling the pots and talking to people on the street cafes and such, but the getting up early in the morning and going to the truck and pulling stuff off is quite a challenge. So I've talked to people who want to retire, and oftentimes I'm like, you have to leave the Bay Area. You have to change your idea of what retirement's going to look like, and I think that's the biggest issue is people can't see five minutes in their future, yet we have our day planned out crazy today, right? Pick up the kids, go to school, get them ready for soccer, put the laundry in, go, 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 go. And sometimes I wonder, like, what do our kids think of us? We look like the go, go, go generation, right? That's not fun. So what are you going to do in retirement? One of the fun ideas for me is, and again, I'll have the money to do this. Maybe I want to live in Greece for a year on an island. But then again, I'm like, no, maybe not. No, I don't do the greek dance thing and i don't really want to go out and slaughter a lamb for lunch no, god! but maybe in you retirement i'll, I'll want to maybe lamb live in tonga and play basketball in tonga I'm on a basketball league so the average height of a person in tonga is like three foot seven so i can join their their basketball league and dominate i'll be like though the wilt chamberlain who's 65 years old dominating the league pass it to me i'm open
0: that's terrible
1: so what does retirement look like for you? I and mean, what I'm trying to get at is, at one point in time, we looked at Walter Cronkite and said, that's regal, that's majestic. Now we're listening to Charles Barkley going, that's terrible. And kind of like... Eh. A lot of backstabbing in the news. A lot of backstabbing. Back. A lot of backstabbing. You could not say that that better, Mr. Anchorman. Lots of backstabbing. But like, Barkley and um, Shaq, they go at it. And it, it's... the mean that that's a good anchor now, right? We change our views. So what's good retirement for you? Is it going to be selling pottery till you die? What is it going to be? Is it going to be hiking? One of the thoughts I had as a youth, and maybe this is dark, I kind of want it to. I had this image as a kid, really early like 14, 15, that when I get married and have kids that I want it to when I eventually knew it was time to die. I'm one of those people. I, I think we all talk, t- talk big until we actually get there. I'm like, I don't want chemotherapy. I don't want to go through the ravages that I saw my dad die of. I just want to get, walk up a hill and die and like melt into a tree. It's not going to work out like that, is it? But you know, like even in my idea of retirement, like in Tonga or Ecuador or areas that may be cheaper for people, again, the image of your retirement has to be dynamic. You cannot have it set in stone. Most people I know in retirement aren't living a good life. Now, I know a lot that are because I work in the industry where people are wealthy and they retire. And guess what? They retire wealthy and they live off their wealth. I live in an area where $50 million is considered, eh, I don't know if that's quite enough to retire on. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Well, I, I don't want to give them a country club. And then you learn, like, everyone at the country club does have a lot of money. And they're all old and pruney and they like to sit naked on the couches after... Taking a shower. Their workout consists of going up a flight of steps and down a flight of steps. and
0: they Hey, man, up. I'm 91 years old. Got that? Yeah. I deserve a little respect from <laughs> you, my buddy. My buddy?
1: <laughs> I love old people. They're so cute, especially when they eat you and they're like food falls out of their mouth. It's so adorable. Their jaws, their jaws don't work like our jaws. So, OK, so one idea on like retirement, if I did want to live in Tonga, for instance, or Greece, suddenly I'm dealing with currency and banking issues. And suddenly i am got to figure out medical care and tax issues. And then, you know, in Mexico, can you own property or do you lease it for 99 years from the government? Then you have to give it back. What sort of lifestyle do I want? Walter Cronkite was my news god growing up. This is Walter Cronkite. Look how far we have fallen with. Charles Barkley. That's terrible. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the
0: weeknight replay at 7.
1: Any questions, any thoughts, any ideas that you want to talk about? Let me know. One of the big things, CFP Chad Bert and myself, we have a good relationship where we could banter, talk about money, tie anything back to money, tie anything back to investing. And like we all make mistakes. You know, sometimes they're mistakes and sometimes they're just life opportunities that cost money. I don't want anyone to die until they've accomplished some of their bucket list, maybe not their whole bucket list. I don't want you to be Morgan Freeman or Clint Eastwood. Hey, I want to jump out of a plane. You don't have to be 75 years old and jumping out planes to live life, but you should have a bucket list. I don't want you to compromise what you deserve in a relationship. I see that way too often. Stop compromising yourself. Stop compromising, you know, who you are in your dating life, who you are in your love life. Don't chase after someone who's clearly not interested in you. It's a financially big mistake that people make. It's a bad habit. And the more you kill bad habits, the better. A lot of people, you know, put their physical health before their mental health. Some people put their mental health before their physical health. You got to work on both. Diet and exercise should be a part of your life, but figuring out how to make yourself happy should be another part of your life. Uh, Careful on fad diets. Oh, man. (laughs) I met a woman the other day who's a... Uh, a parent and everyone pushes their business from time to time, right? Is that fair to say? She was pushing, and I got to be careful because this could come back to bite me. But she was pushing her oil business, and she's got kind of those like essential oils, and like this oil will help your pores open up. This oil will help you relax and calm and go to bed. This oil—it's a little bit of witchcraft to me, you know, stickamons, stickamons, stickamons. But she said, Rob. As we get older, we tend to smell more. And she's getting ready to give me a pitch. And I said, that's good because as we get older, we lose our sense of smell, <laughs> right? And I, I think if there is a God, he, he's crafted almost a perfect system. As we get older, we smell more, so we, we lose our sense of smell. Our bodies smell more, right? As we get older, our spouses become more annoying. We lose our sense of hearing <laughs> as we get older. Um... As we get older, we try to remember how hot and beautiful being young was, and our eyesight starts to go bad, which is perfect, because then your spouse looks like a 10 when she's really two and a half. That's right, Jack. That's right, Jack. Um, Membership points and air miles. My gym has lifestyle points. It's kooky.
0: Kooky.
1: And um, I don't use them. I could give them away to you. I can give you a free swim lesson, I, and I don't use them. I use all my air miles and things like that. But keep in mind, air miles change. Well, I had a friend who a couple years ago, I had a friend who was French, and she said, uh, Sacre bleu! Um, so she had a Southwest credit card, and she got points on Southwest. And then Southwest said, you know, we're changing the way those points actually work. To me, points are money. Whether it's Starbucks, who says, 10 cups of coffee, get you a free cup of coffee. Whether it's the massage place that says, uh, 10 massages, get you one free massage. That's money. That's money. That's gold, Jerry. That's gold. Use those points. The credit card will use them. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Amazon gives you 5% back and you suddenly have like $600 waiting for you, use it. $600 isn't going to go as far as it did this year in five years from now. There's going to be inflation. Use those points before the inflation eats away their value or before someone like Amazon says, you know what, we're, we're, we're discontinuing that program and we're only going to honor half the points. It's in their paperwork. They can do whatever they want. I think that's, uh, I think when we get married, we should have paperwork that says, we're married. I could do whatever I want. There was a comedian who once said, once you're 80, you should be able to do whatever you want. And when you're 81, you should be like, if you want to litter, you're allowed to litter. <laughs> you know, if you want to tell a cop to, to bug off, you can tell a cop to bug off. You're darn tootin'. I'm not going to make 80. I'm not gambling on that. There's not a line in Vegas that, that has my odds, but I'm not I'm not betting on it. Um, 800-516-1220. I'm trying to talk about some of the bad habits that we have that cost us money, and they're just bad habits. Uh, one of them, oh... This drives me crazy is people who cancel at the last minute and it costs them money or people who plan vacations at last minute and it's doubled the price. Stop being Mr. and Mrs. Last Minute. Stop using convenience stores for things that are convenient. Go to the grocery store. Safeway sells paper towels. Seven eleven sells paper towels. You know, you can get cheap milk at 7 Eleven, but it's gonna be expensive to get paper towel. Like they, they get you on other things. So I've often said, if you ever see me in a Radio Shack, I'll give you $10,000. I've never been spotted out in the wild at a Radio Shack. Fair? Fair? Same thing with 7-Eleven. You won't see me in 7-Elevens because that's a bad way of running money. If you ever see me at an ATM machine getting money out, I will give you $100,000. Unless it's the... Unless I have a banking relationship that said... Bank of America or whoever my banker is. So I just will not do it. I I don't pay ATM fees. I work hard for my money. There was a day in college where I was just a poor, struggling college student, and uh, I had to go go dance. And when you shake it, you shake your uh, booty. You you it, it's it's work. So every dollar I earned, I was like, I'm going to keep that dollar. So I, I you wouldn't catch me. Using an ATM machine where like, it's $3 to get money. I'm like, what? That's crazy. What are you talking about, fool? I'm not paying $3. So I talked to my ATM machine a lot like Mr. T talks to me. Shut up, fool. I know, right? And for the record, I was never a go-go dancer in college. I was just talking about, fool? a point. Uh, one of the things I did a couple years ago, I bought a Nest thermostat. I like playing with technology. It's expensive, right? But it also taught me that I've got really bad habits with consumption of energy. Life lesson, short-term pain, $120 for a thermostat, long-term gain, better habits. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Chipotle's had a mess on their hands, but they've recently figured out that DoorDash can get burritos sold, not in your store, but to your customers in your area and to their house. Ding dong, DoorDash. I know you're saying that's horrible and you'd be correct so I grew up in a world that diet and exercise were the two things that those were the pillars of, of good health right a good diet and good exercise but I grew up in that world Get, forgive me because we've also recently learned maybe there's other pillars of good health and I don't know I don't want to go too too far into this but in the world of investing, you get into a lot of trouble when you're like, things are good. The stock market always goes up. I've got $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, $4 million. I got 100000 200000 And you kind of get into that, right? And you kind of like, things are good. So you look at the pillars of your, your future. You look at the pillars of your job. You look at the pillars of your, your budget. But the two pillars of, of health has been exercise and diet, now there's a new one out there that they're making you stop and think about meditation. Is meditation part of a healthier lifestyle? I regularly meditate, twice plus a day. Um, and I would tell you, like I would probably be doing gummy marijuana, or I would probably be drinking. I would probably find some sort of thing to release stress and anxiety if it wasn't meditation. I love meditation. It helps me. I'm not saying it's going to help you, but it's, it's a pillar of my health. But even let's let's forget meditation because that's not accepted yet. There's now a study. There's studies out there that say taking saunas is associated with a more than 60% reduction in stroke risk. This grows questions, right? You're like, okay, who can afford a sauna? Who can't afford a sauna? Both hot and cold. So we're starting to learn that extreme temperatures can be healthy for you. Why do people jump into ice rivers? You know, Tony Robbins. I'm Tony Robbins. Ah, ah, ah. For some reason, he sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in an action film. Right? So he's like, I take an ice bath every day. Ah, Tony Robbins. Ah, I'll be back. And he's got that same Schwarzenegger kind of action hero busted mouth. I'll be back. I have no respect for Tony Robbins. Uh, If he ever wants to do good and give everyone money back that went to his seminars that didn't go on to become winners, then maybe. Maybe. I'm not a big seminar, you know, uh, do-it-yourself kind of rah-rah-rah. Like one of the, 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 the tricks that they do is walking on fire. But it doesn't take a smart person to learn that you can't walk on fire without burning your feet. So what you do is you learn that some things freeze at different temperatures. Some things burn at different temperatures. You learn this in chemistry, right? Um, some sort of science class growing up. I hope you did. So they use, you, they use a wood that doesn't get quite as hot. So you're able to walk on it. Woo, isn't that great? On the coals? No, no, it's not great. It doesn't mean you're going to wake up and be involved. <laughs> So we're learning one more pillar is that you can cut your chance of a stroke by 60% by sitting in a sauna. Now, that's kind of interesting because a sauna typically warms your body up. Um, when I go to the gym and if I'm playing basketball or something, if I want to stretch for 10, 15 minutes before the exercise, that's great. If not, I'll go into the sauna and stretch a little bit just to get my blood flowing. All right, all right, all right. That would be a dry sauna. I don't know the difference between dry saunas and wet saunas, but we now are starting to learn like temperature extremes have something. If it doesn't kill you, maybe it makes you better. Maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't kill you. So you're seeing people take, you know, uh, big old recycling bins and, and filling them up with ice water. And you see people like LeBron James getting the cryotherapy rooms that, you know, drops your temperature. So we're starting to say there's a new way of thinking about things. And I I like that and I hate that because for me, and I know you're saying, please make this all about you. I like that and I hate that because for me, uh, we're talking about something along the lines of um, we have to change the way we think so that we don't get caught up and kind of stuck in your ways, because It's easy to, to do that, and like it's easy to say, GE is always going to be GE, it'll always come back, or tech stocks are the right place to be forever. Um, I've got credit card rewards, and so far, everything's gone great in my life, it'll always be that way. So, when you start to learn to look outside the box and say, What's up with this cold water, hot water thing? Maybe there, and you start seeing studies that you can reduce your chance of stroke. I mean, shouldn't we all be sitting in a sauna now for 10 15 minutes a day getting our, our extreme heat warmed up? It seems like it. California is due for a mega flood. Have you heard this story recently? First and foremost, do you have flood insurance? Have you checked your insurance? Do you know anything about your insurance? You know that they actually have people who work at call centers who will answer your questions, so all you have to do is put in your little AirPods, walk around the house, do some dishes, and talk to someone about your insurance and see see where you are. California is due for a mega flood. It's going to take out $725 billion in damage. This is according to a report from the U.S. Geological Survey. Now, do you think the people in, in Arkansas and Mississippi are going to be as loving to us when we have a flood as we are to them when they've got tornadoes? So, when you hear about SF Airport and going to be underwater in 100 years, what's that do for the real estate value there? Good question. You should ask questions before you lose the ability to. Rental bubbles. Rents are just fun things to study. The more rental signs you see out there, the tougher the rental market. Are you with me? If you see a sign advertising for lease, for rent, it, it tells you that A, someone left unexpectedly, and B, someone wasn't lined up right after that person left, and C, landlords hate that because they're missing rent. The median asking rent for a one-bedroom apartment in the U.S. rose 1.4% in April, now, some markets are obviously calmer, and some markets are obviously more explosive. But the median asking rent for one-bedroom apartments rose 1.4 percent. For two-bedroom apartments, it's rose 2.2 percent. So, one-bedroom runs about 1,100 a month, almost 1,200. A two-bedroom apartment in the United States about 1,422. So, the median asking rent for one-bedroom apartment suddenly surged by double digits in November. So there's kind of like an uneven chop going on here, and the market's not quite ready for it. And there's a lot more for rent signs going up. The most expensive city, obviously, to rent in the United States, San Francisco. One-bedroom apartment rose 2.1% year-over-year to $3,400. But it peaked in October 2015 when it was $4,500. So 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and we haven't had peak rents in fact they're starting to come lower but they they're trying to climb back but they've been lower for 3 years so you you're not you're not keeping up with inflation you're kind of bouncing around after hitting a top and that's got people worried one of the biggest questions i see out there is when i get married should i keep my money together or separate from my spouse it's a good question that's up to you i'm not your your nanny Money is a common source of stress. Couples think that they need to share everything from spit to bodily secretions to babies to, you know, let's split the decision on, like, where we live. Let's like you, you don't have to split everything, and it may be too stressful for you. You need to be able to talk about everything, but you may not have to split everything or share everything. Every good marriage is based on some separation, I think it's important that you be able to vacation on your own. I think it's important that you have friends on your own. And I think at times it's it's okay to have money on your own and not to be, like, constantly, you know, running. Like, I wonder if I should go out and buy myself a $200 fur coat. I know you're saying $200 fur coat. It's made out of real rat fur. Which, would it be uncool to wear a rat skin jacket? Probably, right? No way. But I think two bank accounts can be better than one. I don't think it has to be all or nothing. I think it should be some co-joined and co-mingled. Some of your finances are unavoidably intertwined when you share a home. You know, you can't have one person paying it and not the other. So I think that should be you know, conjoined on some level. So, yeah, I, I think you know talking about money and keeping things separate, I, I get it. And I, I think one of the flaws is that we live in... Worlds where we grow up thinking, I wonder if Cinderella shared her taxes with Prince Charming. I wonder. I wonder who did their taxes. Would she have been disappointed to learn that he wasn't really a prince, it was just a title, and that he actually didn't have any land or any any buildings? I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me on at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. The reason you buy stocks and bonds and real estate is because you want to sell them at some point in your life or at some point in past your life for more money than you paid for them, right? But keep in mind, America is stupid. Sometimes we buy stuff we shouldn't buy. Tony Mendez was just talking about, from Bay Area dot about the cycle of real estate. Do you want to repeat that? Because we were off The there. cycle of
0: real estate? Yeah, you said something about people mortgage rates move higher and oh yeah yeah so i mean one of the trends we were talking about is interest rates um back in 2005 six and seven we're hitting our peaks and interest rates were almost two percent higher than they are today um they were certainly two percent higher you know several months ago when the rates were in the threes but um it's one of the reasons why we see higher home prices but You know, and you get that rate. You either refi or you bought a property, and you have really low interest rate. And then you watch interest rates go up. You are like, "Yeah, yeah, I got a great low interest rate, but then and you've watched your home price go up because more people can buy, and more people are are getting those lower interest rates, and they can afford more. And then interest rates go higher, and you feel pretty happy about that. But that also means that less people can buy your house when you can sell it. So it really just plays into the whole cycle of what. Real estate does every five, ten years. It goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. That's the big trend. No matter if if you're talking about buying property in Eric Estrada's estate in Oklahoma or you're buying in Texas or you're buying in the gravy down in the south, eventually it goes up, eventually it goes down, and we're going to go through another recession eventually. And people are going to find another opportunity to buy and sell and make money on it. What's interesting about what you just said is I heard very little of it, but it was interesting.
1: I was fascinated. I was fascinated with chips and syndication chips, Yeah. And Eric Estrada. Did you know he left the show in for like seven episodes in 1982, and the show ran from like 77 to 82? That's a long time. A lot of flaws in Ponch. Ponch, Ponch John Paunchelli. So Eric Estrada left the show because he wanted more syndication profits. Do you know who he was replaced by? I can't remember Former Olympian Might have won a decathlon they called a decathlon when you win all ten Very masculine 1976 Montreal American flag running around the track In a victory lap Spitz? No um... Male athlete Later in life He has something taken off his body So he can be a woman There we go. Replaced Eric Estrada for like eight or nine episodes. And you know what's funny is California Highway Patrol, I didn't realize this when I was watching it, but now I see a big flaw in the show. They never drive two at a time together. They're always by themselves. So they, they didn't have partners, and they tried to oddly explain it away, but to a child you don't oddly explain away. Ponch was a trouble guy on probation, so he had to go with his buddy. No. I have
0: to admit, I watched the show.
1: <laughs> I know. I think America did. Because you know why? We had no choices. You had ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. CBS was for old people. NBC was kind of a young, hip thing going on. ABC had hits and misses, but they were kind of quirky. And Fox didn't really come into its own until the mid-80s. So you had to watch this this garbage. But anyway, I digress. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, I did. So if you want a loan, call Tony. Stay here at loansource.com. <laughs> Their loan source. How tough is it to get like um, non-conventional loans? Like, for instance, single-family
0: home I would consider pretty conventional, old-fashioned loan. loan has the, the type of loan you're getting has very little to do with the property that you have, unless it's commercial. How about um, trailers? Well, I mean, you can get certain types of loans from certain types. They're conventional. You're talking about non, what they call non-QM is what you're trying to yeah. bring out, which uh, translates into portfolio or Um, what was the old uh, say uh, uh, subprime loans Uh, basically anything that's not government or conventional Uh, it is a lot easier the farther you get away from the tight guidelines from Fannie Mae Freddie Mac FHA um, the easier it is to get a loan but your rate's going to be higher so if you're talking about a single family house and you have bad credit maybe a foreclosure or bankruptcy something that just doesn't fit the other guidelines you're going to go what they call non QM Non-qualified mortgage, which is what came out of Dodd-Frank, and they're they're everywhere. Rob, everyone is offering them. That is, we talk about products and how it drives the market. Um, they're not changing Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, USDA. What they are changing is that non-QM product. Anything, that, and it could be jumbo, it could be conforming. It doesn't matter. Um, but any, anybody can get a freaking loan nowadays. It just how much do you qualify for? You still have to qualify. You still have to have income. You get no credit score. You can get. You can do no income, no asset verification. Purchase loans for investment properties. See now you see some of these kooky places being brought up of like
1: one person. It's like a Yahoo story where like a twenty-seven-year-old Minnesota man buys a three-hundred-square-foot room in the desert or in the forest, and you're like, that's kind of genius. He doesn't need a lot. He's in the forest. He's got, you know, rivers to entertain him and stuff. Do you think we're going to see more odd product get lined up with mortgages? Like if I, if we go privatization of banks, yes. Okay. Because you have to have some sort of collateral. If a bank's going to give you X amount of dollars, they don't want a pod in the middle of the forest. But
0: there, there's a trend going on there. Uh, personally, I wouldn't, unless I had some serious income to support any kind of losses that might come up i would i would stay away from non-qm unless i was like i said a savvy investor and i need i needed it it was my only option you always want to start with the best and work yourself away from it worst case scenario but you have to have an exit strategy. Most people who get these non QMs, they don't get exit strategies, which is what's going to replace that crappy loan. Tony's with great a to loan. talk to because he rambles on. He likes talking real estate. You can take him
1: to lunch, buy him a beer. He'll talk real estate, mortgages, investing ideas with you. Cities like Rito versus cities like Stockton. Great ideas. Homes you live in, homes you want to live in. You get the idea. You can find him at Bay It's Bay